Hey, Real Talkers, buckle up. You're about to hear from somebody who is not your average politician. Jody Calhoun Stonehouse says what she really thinks. She's not afraid to rattle a few cages, and her energy is off the charts. She drops an F-bomb in our interview. Despite her relative inexperience in the Alberta legislature, she was first elected in May of last year. Callahue Stonehouse is vying for the leadership of the Alberta NDP. But does she have what it takes as an underdog to emerge victorious? Have a listen and let us know what you think. This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. We're going to be hanging out with the rookie sensation on today's Real Talk. We're grateful to have you here with us. The field has deepened when it comes to the Alberta NDP leadership race. There are now four candidates. One of them is in her first term in the Alberta legislature. But as you'll find out in about 45 seconds from now, you'd never know it. You'd never be able to tell her life experience is tops. She's been all over the place. She's done all kinds of things. And you will soon find out. You'll find out early in this interview what drives and motivates Jody Callahoo Stonehouse. Can she rise above the rest? Can she elevate herself above the field? Can she convince Alberta NDP members that she's a better choice than candidates that have spent time in cabinet, that have spent time in government? Let's find out. But first, I want to remind you that just because you're stuck in a lousy job right now that you can't stand, you're not getting paid enough, your boss doesn't treat you properly, and you know you're not even close to realizing your full potential, this does not have to dictate the rest of your life. Now's the perfect time to go back to school, as a matter of fact, for a new career in real estate. And I want to point you toward Rello. That's R-E-L-O dot C-A. They've got great courses that make it super easy for you to pass your exam, get your real estate license, and start running your own business setting your own hours. Oh, and yeah, unlimited earning potential. How good does that sound? One of the things that people love about Rello, they've got great satisfaction reports from those that study there, is that they've got a team of experts that are committed to your success. The relationship doesn't end once you've got your license. They set you up as well so you can hit the ground running in real estate. And right now, a great offer for Real Talkers. If you use the promo code REALTALK, all one word, REALTALK, at Rello.ca, you can save 20% off any Rello course. She's the first term Alberta NDP MLA for the riding of Edmonton Rutherford. She is the first First Nations woman to ever be elected to the Alberta legislature. And she's making her Real Talk in studio debut. Jody Stonehouse, Jody Calhoun Stonehouse, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ryan. And I, you know, I want to say it's good to be here in Treaty 6 territory, but it's even better to be on the Ryan Jesperson show. Oh, come on. You know, you've really made it when you get to be on the uh, Real Talk. Oh, yeah. You you know what's going to happen here. You know what the Internet's going to do. It's going to blow up and it's going to say that, oh, they're friendly. (laughs) Oh, they're being nice to each other. This interview is automatically bullshit. I got to soften the blows. Soften the blows. Well, it's good to have you here. Um, Obviously, it's been a a pretty remarkable uh, last couple of years for you you declare yourself you know you, you secure that nomination mm-hmm. um in a in what is it fair to call it like a suburban edmonton riding yeah absolutely and i uh, spent a year and a half with the former minister richard fian actually he was the one who asked me to run and i was like no no thanks oh, not, is that right yeah not interested and then so he kept at me he kept asking me and so then i decided to try door knocking and to my surprise i actually fell in love with my constituents really yeah 
Wow. Yeah. You're not just saying that because you're trying to get elected leader of the party, are you? <laughs> no, it really happened. It really transformed Door me. knocking, I think, would be my worst nightmare. Oh, it's a ton of fun. You really get insights into what people care about, what matters, and where the big gaps are in education around uh, people's misinformation. You can see it. So what did you hear at the doors that, I mean, maybe it was a hundred things, uh, yeah. but 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 you go from, uh, like, you're, you're making things happen in your career. We'll get into your, your time, what you've done in education and what you've done in, in, in the law profession you've done a ton there and, and obviously your cv is deep um but but politics was a hard no until somebody said what <laughs> actually it was the elders so in our culture i've spent quite a bit of time working with older folks elders in the the lodges and governance and i brought protocol to grand chief wilton Littlechild and a bunch of other elders out in Musquachies. and i said uh, richard fian has asked me to run and so we went into ceremony and uh, I was told you have to go where you can make change. And here I am. Here you are. So how, how, would, you, how would you characterize you know, the time from, from getting elected a short time ago? Can we call it about a, about a half a year ago-ish approximately? Yeah. Uh, about a half a year ago from May until now. What's, what's the experience been like for you? I mean, you haven't been there very long. Uh, I haven't been in the legislature very long. And I'll tell you what, Ryan, I was extremely disappointed uh, to go into a place and space where we think we're going to transform Albertans' lives. We're, we're going to be working on solving the complex problems. But rather, I see things like Bill 8 come through, which is what uh, enables MLAs like myself to get unlimited gifts. We don't have a gift crisis in this province. We have a housing crisis. We have a water crisis. You know, so for me, it was really disappointing to see what was transpiring in that place and space when we have so many issues we need to be collaborating on and solving for Albertans. How would you characterize the vibe of the NDP caucus right now? I know, I know that obviously you and your colleagues wanted to form government. You were, you, were, you know, depending on who you talk to, yeah. uh, you weren't even close or you were painfully close. If you, if, you, if you crunch the numbers and do the math and spread it around and get creative in your analysis, you know, Rachel Notley and your team was about 1,600 votes shy of forming yeah. government in a province of four and a half half a million but you didn't <laughs> Daniel Smith's got a majority the conservatives mm -hmm. formed government but you've got uh, more MLAs than the NDP's ever had before yes. how, how do you characterize the vibe it, it was painful it was a very painful loss but the team is amazing there's such incredible people on this team and we're only going to build and of course we're going to take government in 2027 we're just such a rock star team of people who've been doing really extraordinary things across the province right from innovation to oil and gas to renewables to law to doctor to medicine like we just have this incredible team and we're only going to keep growing you just said oil and gas that's gutsy well, I mean, my dad has worked on the patch since I was six years old. I mean, this is just part of our lives. This is part of, that's the foundation of what makes Alberta who we are. But we also have to transform what we're doing because it's not working as, as well as we'd like to. And we know it's going to run out. Mm. That's just a fact. Yeah, maybe I should clarify my comment. My, my grandpa was a really proud uh, career uh, chemical engineer with Chevron. And we grew nice. up with a real appreciation. Still do. My uncle Bob was, you know, he was one of the first guys to drill up in the Beaufort Sea and like do really interesting stuff. So I grew up with a real awareness of what that did to Alberta's economy. But I'm not seeking the leadership of the Alberta NDP. And I feel like I'm, I'm still trying to get my finger on the pulse of where that mm -hmm. party's mm -hmm. at right now. Because around time for a leadership change, there's a real opportunity to put a new stamp on to kind of... Uh, I wouldn't say uh, reinvent the identity of the, of a party, but it's at that time when when you lose an election, but there's promising signs, and you've got yeah. a leadership race. So you look at you know membership, sales, fundraising, etc. Yes. What does the identity of the NDP look like moving forward 
if we go to according to your plan? Well, you know, I don't think we're going to veer very far away from what the NDP has always stood for, which is about standing up, advocating and protecting Albertans, looking after families, ensuring that no one is left behind. You know, when Rachel Notley was in government, they slashed child poverty in half. And now we're seeing more children in foster care than ever before. We have the medical examiner just released that five people a day are dying in Alberta. That's the highest it's ever been. So, you know, the facts about what NDP is going to look like, we are going to look like problem solvers. We are going to fix the problems. We are going to address the, the issues that are facing Albertans, the affordability crisis. I mean, we have a tremendous amount of work to do. So really, the culture is really just going to be about let's get down our sleeves rolled up and get down to work and fix the issues. It's, it's, it's a gutsy move. I like it um, to, to run for leadership in your first year of your first. By the way, how did you feel about me referring to you as a rookie? MLA? Okay <laughs> I noticed you, you know, kind of your posture changed a little well, bit when I said it. I, well, you are. I mean, you are, but you're not like the word. Rookies take shots. They make goals and they win games. <laughs> that's right. You set, you send them out on the front line sometimes. Yeah, but, right. but do you think, I mean, was this, was this always part of the plan? Like when you got elected or are, are you looking at this like I am the next leader of the NDP? I'm the next premier of Alberta. Is that I mean, that's bold thinking, but why not? I guess. Well, no, it wasn't how I intended to come into this place and space again. Uh, I was on holidays with my folks and uh, Rachel Notley stepped down and I was I was really quite sad about it. I, I wept and I thought this woman has sacrificed and and her family a tremendous amount and I don't think Albertans realize how much she's given to lift the entire people and that is a, a sacrifice that only her and her family you know will will truly know the depth of and uh, and then when she stepped down my phone was ringing off the hook elders from across the province from the nations where I've spent time in ceremony young people who I've taught who I've coached come on Stonehouse and then my parents were like, you should maybe think deeply about this. And uh, again, went to ceremony and uh, here we are. Huh. I appreciate you sharing some of the background. I should mention to people that maybe aren't 100% familiar with some of your work and it'll come up in the course of our conversation. Mm -hmm. But you were, weren't you recently exec executive director at, uh, Yellow, right? at, uh, at uh, Yellowhead, uh, Indigenous. the Indigenous Education yeah, Foundation? Um, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about that uh, as, as we learn more about you know education and law and your commitments there. But you talk about ceremony. You talk about the influence of the elders. You talk about the messages from mm -hmm. First Nations. Uh, what does it mean to you? to be a First Nations woman in that Alberta legislature representing, I mean, you're representing your constituents in Edmonton Absolutely. Rutherford, but it feels yeah. like you're representing a lot more people than that. Well, you know, the beautiful thing about our governance model, like Wakotuin, Sagituin, Wataskuin, these are all about peace, respect, and how we relate with each other, how we relate with the land, the water. And those are all fundamental principles that I bring with me as a politician. And it's essentially how do we live our lives the best way possible in relation to all things, our relationships. And so when we look at economics, we have got to we have got to do better in Alberta. We need to put ourselves back in the competitive market around the world. Renewables is hurting. We've lost millions and millions of dollars in investment. We have destabilized our economy. And so when I think about myself as a First Nations woman looking at the economics, we know we have complex issues, social issues that need to be fixed, but it's going to be the economic horse that pulls that social cart. I don't hear a lot of NDP MLAs talking like this. No offense to your colleagues. Do you, do you see economics a little bit differently? 
Like, like you, you basically just said, correct me if I'm incorrect uh, here's in my the- paraphrase. Charles Adler said this on the show a couple of weeks, so I don't think he's wrong either. Basically to say this, I mean, this was kind of like Jason Kenney's tone a few years ago when he was looking to get elected back in 2019. And he said that unless you have a thriving economy, uh, unless Alberta is prosperous, it's difficult to fund the social programs. And, and some people were like, you know, took issue with it, uh, with the statement, you know, the premise that there needed to be economic prosperity for there to be healthy social Mm -hmm. investment. But you're not saying anything dramatically different than that. Well, and it just comes from the teachings of being on the land. If you're starving, you're not uh, thriving in Mm -hmm. ceremony and dancing and having fun stuff. It means that you're sustainably harvesting what you need. You're trading. You know, you have a big trade. I come from a trade economy. It's in my DNA. Mm -hmm. Like economics is part of who we are as indigenous people is on these lands. Wakotuin, Pehonan, the gathering place here in Amiskwachewaskahegan, Edmonton. This is where the trading, the capital center of economics for indigenous people on Turtle Island is this is the roots of this place Mm. what would be you you talk about economics Mm. and you talk about how it's struggling right now in alberta and how Mm. alberta needs to get more competitive what's your plan how would you approach that well we definitely need to remove a moratorium on renewables immediately and we start we have to start investing in our people we have to start training our people our post-secondary institutions we have to reimagine and rethink how we're doing some things and that's possible with investment in our people and our institutions so where do you start there like what does that look like what's the first order of business if you're premier Wow, this is exciting. So the very well, people first want to know what, what, <laughs> what, what, you know, what does Calhoun Stonehouse leadership look like? You yeah. Know? So the very first order of business is we have to expand our economies, right? We need to look at some renewable. We have to be innovative. Our research institutes, we have cut back at post-secondary investment. We need to reinstate that. We need our uh, Alberta healthcare plan. We need, our first thing I would do is go and get a bus and we would go to British Columbia and get our doctors back. Do you know that they hired 700 doctors last, last year alone? That's two a week. Mm. 700 doctors. The UCB says we don't have a problem with, with you have to drive physicians. two to seven hours from rural Alberta to get a doctor in this province. And then you have to wait two to seven hours. So yeah, that the economic system is what enables us to hire those doctors, to hire those nurses, to give them good paying jobs. We have to take care of those who take care of us. It's fundamental in society. Mm. So what's one thing that Rachel Notley did mm. or, or an approach that the NDP took uh in the most recent let's say like let's say you know in the time that you've been at the legislature to be fair okay that you would have done differently had you been leader of the party you know what we're gonna go back a little bit in time and i think uh they got hurt when they put in some stuff around farming and agriculture. They really upset the rule. Yeah, so you're talking like 2015, 2016, yeah, Bill 6. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And She's uh, acknowledged that. That's not like yeah. ex- that's not exactly a bombshell. I'm going to circle back and ask you again but by that's this, so you know. that's been held tight by the rule. That's for sure. Yeah, and so that's the work we have to do, the repairing work. That's really important because we lost because of the rule vote, really, if you look at it. So, we won Calgary. Which not everybody thought that the NDP could do, and that has to have been a huge win. And that goes to the work of the folks down there, the door knocking, you know, the representation of Shannon Phillips, Kathleen Ganley. I mean, people are doing really big stuff down south. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, rural. Yeah, that's fair. We'll Mm. we'll come back. Why don't we talk about your plan to to rehabilitate or, or, or maybe build the rural relationship? Is rehabilitate? Rehabilitate's probably not the right word because it's not like the party ever dominated the rural areas. 
But no, no, there's, there's people with credibility. There's NDP MLAs with credibility from Kyle rural Kazowski communities. Well, there's tons. The there's tours. tons. Yes, I mean, yes, you know, yes. So that's the part. I mean, people go, Rachel, not like yourself. But like you can look. But but for, for whatever reason, um, I, I, whatever. We're not People aren't here to listen to me go off. <laughs> but I've always thought it's really <laughs> no, interesting, right? Like you look at matter. a lot of I mean, growing employment up in, in a areas. small town, uh, Onaway is where I grew up as a kid. And then uh, spent the summers and winters on the trap line with my grandparents out in Villeneuve and Kalu. So growing up in the rural, I remember as a little girl sitting on the front steps with my mush and my grandpa. And he would tell me every vehicle who that was. Oh, that's George Burley driving by, right? Like you knew who the neighbors were and when the neighbors needed something, they came and you just did it. You just looked after one another. When the barn needed to be built down the street, you just did it. Now we don't even know our neighbors. We don't even know who lives down the street. We don't talk to people. If someone's on the side of the road, often they can be there for hours without us stopping. Is that something that the premier of a province can fix or is that a bigger Absolutely. problem? I think it's starting to nurture humanity back into our culture, right? The, the relationships, it's all about how we restore our relationships with each other, the land, the water. Hmm. Okay, I know you want to talk about water. We'll talk about water <laughs> just a little bit. Um, I already know. Uh, oh wow, look at this. We have a we have a twenty dollar contribution here in our super chat. You know how YouTube super chat Amazing. works, so people, people can donate to the show. And and this they can is from donate to my campaign. Well, I was, I was just going to give you a shout out. Oh, do you, hey, does everybody see what I mean when I said she's wired a little bit different? She's uh, um, and, and that's cough a, up the that's, coin, that's baby. intended to be a big huge compliment. Um, uh, vote for Jody.ca. It's Jody with an I. Vote for Jody.ca if you want to learn more about the the Jody Calhoun Stonehouse campaign. Um, Scott says I want to read his comment mm. here. Guy drops 20 bucks. He's going nice. to get his comment morning, read. Uh, he says, uh, Honorable Calhoun Stonehouse says we work on oil spill responses with First Nations from Drift Pile and Valley View area. Nice. Uh, says a syndicate of, of free gear. Is that what that, I don't know what that means. A syndicate of free gear has removed our expertise. Uh, rack. Uh, oh, uh, interesting. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to read this. I hope this isn't okay. libelous. He says, Pancholi's law firm silenced me and Ganley neglected it. Rock on. Uh, okay. Interesting throwing snowballs uh Racky Pancholi obviously a leadership candidate yeah, so is Kathleen yeah, Ganley former yeah. justice minister interesting do you have a comment on that you want to well, respond to that yeah Scott thanks for your work you know part of reclamation I was reading a report the other day we have only done one percent of land reclama reclamation total in the province we have so much work to do around reclamation around reducing carbon emissions greenhouse gas I mean the innovation, when we talk about economics, we have to transform climate change into climate economics. You know, we, we're going to have more forest fires. It's a fact. We know this. So how are we going to transform that timber as quickly as possible into usable lumber? These are the things that we need to start thinking about. Red tape reduction is supposed to move things faster, but it actually didn't. And uh, we've got big work to do in the ledge, right? Yeah, nobody, no, nobody actually believes the red tape production stuff. <laughs> nobody, nobody believes that government's going to go in and eliminate government jobs. Nobody believes that. Um, yeah, I, I, time I, I, to I trim the see fat. It actually happen. Trim the well, fat. I just, you know, whatever. And that's not a, it's not a shot at the current government. It's a shot at every single government. Uh, we have a ministry of red tape production, but I don't know how well it's working. Uh, Real talkers can let me know. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe in your line of work. I know like when I talk to friends that are in business development, that are in real estate, they're looking to open restaurants, they're looking to get solar stuff built. Uh, there's no red tape production uh, that's, that's 
at any point relevant to them. So um, I just know what I hear. I know what mm-hmm. I see, and I call it how I see it. Jody Calhoun, Stonehouse, is hanging out with us. What we're going to talk about, I'm going to circle back on the Notley thing because you, you, you did make a very good and fair point about rebuilding the rural relationship, but I feel like that one is so obvious. I want, I want something else, something that you've seen in the Alberta legislature that you would have managed differently. That's coming up in two minutes. Plus, we'll talk about water. We'll talk about her career in law and education. She adopted a child when she was 20. Can I ask you about that? I want to talk to you about foster care, family services. We might have to keep you here all morning, Jody. I hope that's all right. I hope you don't have anywhere to go. Uh, this conversation is happening with the support of Real Talk partners like Athabasca University. They are all about opportunity. doesn't matter if you're 20, 40, 65 years old. Canada's open university has an approach, has a plan that's going to work for everybody because you customize it based on exactly what you need. You can't get to a brick-and-mortar university, no problem. Athabasca University is going to be perfect for you. Your only commute is to your device. Plus, they've got so many different programs and courses from kind of the micro-learning opportunities all the way through to undergraduate degrees, graduate degrees, PhDs. Hell, go earn your MBA. You can select your path. Learn more about how Athabasca University is empowering learners worldwide by checking out AthabascaU.ca. Hey, if you're in one of those communities that's been impacted by wildfire, heaven forbid, maybe it's flooding, maybe it was a burst pipe over the weekend, could be what you thought was going to be a simple renovation project, but you discovered black mold, or (laughs) maybe you just figured out there's asbestos on your property. Don't mess around with this yourself. This takes more than an N95 mask and a hammer, my friends. It takes 25 years of experience and certified professionals with complete care restoration. They've got a quarter century of experience restoring properties and rebuilding peace of mind. They're the ones that built our studio. We've seen them in action, and it's why without hesitation, we can recommend complete care restoration with two thumbs up. If you're renovation project your investment in your home is going to be on the exterior it's going to be on the outside this spring or summer you're going to want to make sure that you put in a call to eden landscaping you'll find them online at landscapeedmonton.ca that's where you can check out their portfolio i mean they've got more than 20 years of experience so obviously they've done a ton of projects some of their customers have come back and back again and back again they can tell you all about that when you make contact with them eden landscaping is starting to set their schedule right now for spring construction which means if you want to be front of the line make sure that your new outdoor kitchen or water feature or retaining wall or whatever it is is ready for your summer anniversary birthday retirement party you got to get that conversation started today with eden landscaping at landscapeedmonton.ca so you adopt you're 20 years of age you're you're like barely out of high school i was out of college you Fresh were out of college, college already at yeah, 20? Yeah. Okay. And and at the time, you were single? Yes. Like you're you're making a go of it yourself. The yep. world is your oyster. And yes. you decide to adopt a child at 20. So I was working in a school on the First Nation of Morley. And all the windows had been smashed. And they said, you know, I'm briefcase heels. I'm going to save the world fresh out of college. Uh-huh. I know all the answers. Sure. Right? And... Uh, just before I was going to the meeting between Child and Family Services, Chief and Counsel, and uh, the security guards, uh, his teacher pulls me aside and says, uh, Miss Callahoo Stonehouse, this is, uh, you know, so-and-so. And I said, oh, so you're so-and-so. And he's all 11 years old. He's all, who the fuck wants to know? And right. I was like, well, if you're so tough, why'd you break into the daycare 72 times? Oh. And he says, uh, because they have the best food. 
And so I had to think the entire time as I was walking to that meeting that this child is stealing food. This is an adult problem, not a child problem. And when I got to the meeting, the plan was to put him in Calgary Young Offender Center because no foster parents would take him on because he was such complex needs. And so uh, that was the day I became his mom. At 20? Yeah, and now he's 38. Wow. Yeah. How's yeah. Your, how is your relationship? Uh, you know, we love each other. We care for one another. He's growing, you know, emotionally. What he, he has been one of my greatest teachers around the investment in recovery from abuse, from neglect, sexual abuse. Like, it takes tremendous amount of effort from addictions recovery. I mean, he's an intergenerational residential school, the survivor, the same as me. However, he's a generation closer than I am. And uh, you can really see the impact. So he's been an extraordinary teacher in my life and I'm blessed. Uh, what's your assessment of how Alberta is doing right now with trauma supports and what would you do differently as premier? <laughs> yeah, trauma informed recovery. I mean, it's, it's embarrassing where we're headed with these compassion recovery centers. As I mentioned earlier, we're dying faster than we've ever been dying, including children in care. We have more children in foster care in this province than we ever have. We have a dual system, what's called kinship care and foster care. And so currently kinship care is the system where, uh, you know, children of a First Nation can be looked after by other members of the family, but they're paid less, which to me, when we're talking about the poorest people in the country, how does it make sense to pay them less to do a, the same job as someone who is not of that bloodline or not that same race? That's racism. So some, addressing systemic racism is part of the work that we have to do. I don't want to ask this question, but ask I'm going to it. ask it. Yeah. yeah, I feel like it's an asshole question, but I but I see it, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and I and I know you know you 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 know I, I take a look at what Amarjeet Sohi is doing as the mayor of Edmonton, yeah. and like a big part of his platform, and I know that this is like conviction that comes from his heart, that comes yeah. from his life experience, his lived experience, but addressing racism has been a big part of what he's wanted to do, and he talks about reconciliation, and he talks about all these kinds of things, and then you get the vibe among the general public, the the people that are let me say discontent, yeah. uh, with his tenure or this council's tenure to this point and those are the things they invoke like I feel like I see people um that maybe don't pay attention to politics every single day mm -hmm. and they feel that if and I'll use their words like if a politician is like obsessed with you know obsessed with yeah, reconciliation yeah. or obsessed with the environment well, obsessed with planting trees yeah, obsessed yeah, yeah. with yeah. racism we just want them to get business friendly we well, want them I'll to tell you what it's about economics if we address systemic racism we are going to put ourselves economically on the forefront because of the institutionalization of First Nations people starting with the Indian residential schools 60 scoop millennial scoop these are all uh, tax funded, whether it be federally or provincially. And so the more we have broken systems, the more we're investing on things that aren't working. And so it's compounding the problem. If you look at the judiciary system, the amount we're spending on calls, I mean, this winter alone, there were 800 amputations, last winter, my apologies, uh, for people on the streets. Do you know the cost of 800 amputations versus affordable housing? We got an email, uh, I, th I read it, I think it was yesterday, Johnny, I read it from that paramedic, at least this week, uh, one of our shows this week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was, her name was Elaine, forgive me if I got it wrong, but 
but she she works. She's a paramedic working in the capital city here that works uh, specifically with uh, the homeless population. And she was talking about amputations and the cost of this on the healthcare system. And it's here you fair. are, and you can make the compelling argument. But and and I almost wonder, like you know, that sort of idea of in in PR or or communications where they say if you're explaining, you're losing. And I feel like some things need to be explained for people to buy into it. It's mm -hmm. like it's like with the opioid crisis, we have to explain that it's also happening with rich white people in the oh, suburbs yeah. Oh, yeah. right and then once people recognize that rich white people in the suburbs are dying from opioid poisoning uh then they take it seriously and, and five and, albertans a day right five uh, albertans i want to shout out ian hannamanson you did an incredible job on the national this week with his coverage of alberta's opioid crisis yes so the question is though like when it comes down to what your job is as yes. the leader of yes. a party it's to win elections right yes let me ask you this in the words of an audience member uh randy says as a cree iroquois individual yeah um, I'm curious about uh, Stonehouse's vision, although I am skeptical due to her inexperience, mm. whether she has the ability to win an election. What would you say to Randy? I'd say, watch me. <laughs> How would you win it? Well, I think it's about relationships. Again, it means being showing Albertans how you're going to make Alberta a better place to live for everyone, mm. right? If we can fix these systems that are broken, when we fix these systems that are broken, it means that all systems are going to start thriving, including our healthcare, which is fundamentally the biggest system that is the most broken, impacting all, all Albertans. So what would the NDP do differently? Here's that question again. Yes. Uh, within your term mm, as an MLA, mm, mm -hmm. um, and I recognize the magnitude of this question because yep, we're asking you to, to turn your focus into your own caucus, yeah. into your own party, but what's something that the party would have done differently over the last, let's say, six to eight months if you were the leader? So I think I would lean a lot more heavily on the caucuses. So we have all kinds. We have the rural caucus. We have the we, indigenous caucus. There are multiple, the women's caucus you need to start pulling in those folks to help you build policy. Uh, Rachel Notley had the privilege of starting out with just herself and three others. And so, you know, building this entire system herself of governance, I don't have that luxury, which means pulling in all of the folks, my colleagues. So I think what I would do differently is I would go to the people and we'd be building the policy, co-designing, co-developing together. And it means spending more time on the ground with people. Let's talk about water. Uh, yes. uh, you did a newspaper interview. Uh, you did an interview with a, a journalist over the weekend. And the, the headline basically was water, water, water. Uh, yes. I know it's obviously not all you want to talk about because you've been here for a half hour already. And this is the first time it's coming up. But I know it's a big part of, of what's shaping your perspective on Alberta's future. Let's yes. get into it. Well, it's really difficult to put out forest fires when there's no water. Hmm. That's a fact. So we're going to face the biggest drought we've ever had in the history of our province down south. What's the plan? What are we moving forward with? How are we going to do water allocation for irrigation? How are we going to do water allocation for towns, cities, rural, for crops, uh, for animals, for herds? What are we going to do? What is the plan to move herds and people when there are fires encroaching? We've known climate change is, this is a fact. It's coming. It's hitting ever the smoky summers. These are real it's coming again what is the plan what is the strategy I'm really tired of the reactionary response which is part of me wanting to lead the province we need to be proactive and Albertans deserve a responsible government that's the bottom line we need a responsible government we need folks focused on the local issues in Alberta not taking luxurious trips to Dubai with 120 people do you think going to cop was a mistake 
I think sending your Minister of Environment is a great investment. Taking 120 Albertans on taxpayers is a large mistake. Yeah, I mean, do you do you have to wait and see if any business comes out of it? Do you have to wait and see if I mean, if you're gonna you're gonna be the the, the candidate in this race that says one of your top priorities is not to say that Pancholi, Ganley, Hoffman are are going to ignore the economy. Obviously, they're not. But yeah, you're yeah. out here pretty bullish on it, which I love. Yeah. Um, but but. How do you criticize uh, sending a delegation uh, to, you know, arguably the highest profile climate conference in the world in one of the centers of uh, of essentially an oil producing nation? Alberta is an oil producing jurisdiction as well. Uh, how do you automatically crack on that? Is, isn't that politicking, to be fair? Well, absolutely it is. But here's the thing, Ryan, just like you or I, we can watch anything online if we truly want to learn about it. Yeah. We yeah. don't have to spend millions of dollars to go there. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's okay if we disagree. I I, 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 I understand why people don't think, you know, they don't think that the big delegation should go. There's there's like some confusion or not everyone's totally clear on who paid for what. But I don't have a problem with whatever. We, we don't have to talk about this during your leadership interview. But I don't have a problem with the premier taking a delegation to show up and be serious and have big person conversations with big players sure, in the energy absolutely industry. Like, you to can me, do that. That's, you don't that's need exactly 120 people be, to do right? that. I don't need the premier cutting ribbons people? on community What are the economics the on that? Especially when well, we're looking... I don't looking... know. I mean, who paid for it? Like, the premier's office says that a lot of those companies well, let's paid see. their let's own way. Let's see. The yeah, maybe we should need more disclosure. I'm going to be honest with you. I've not done a lot of digging on this. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not the one submitting FOIP requests on who paid for what with COP. But it's interesting to, to, to hear your perspective on it because, like we have, even with our audience, the audience is split on whether or not they think that that, that was a good investment. And we talked about it a lot, right? You know, the federal government's there, the provincial government's there. Now, I think that fair criticism toward Alberta government being there was like, why are they there? Well, and if you're not there to Honestly, I think if we're going to send anyone, maybe we should look at the Alberta Energy Regulator. You know, we produce 37% of the greenhouse gas emissions in the total country. Right, that's a substantial amount. So maybe we need to start doing some things there. So yeah, if we're going to send some people, do? well, we need to start inventing, uh, working with industry on reducing their carbon. Mm-hmm. End of story. I mean, we're go- way out of hand. It's talk. But yes, we know okay. that industry knows that. Yeah. The question is how they've doubled their profit margins. Do you cap emissions? More. Do you like? Do you? Are you more bullish on carbon capture? Like, there's a lot of different ways to do it, right? Yeah, there are multiple ways. Carbon yeah. capture. We're not convinced that the science actually works. Just look at the tailings ponds. Has that worked for us? Okay. So what would you do? You don't hear a lot of political candidates or elected officials really putting the AER, the energy regulators, squarely in their sights. But if, if yeah. you ask people in the industry and people in the know, they, they talk about the well is poisoned there. Um, I've seen enough personally as a civilian to have completely lost faith and trust in the energy regulator. Well, you what have about you? to know what's broken in order to fix it, which means you have to study the systems. Hmm. You know, in the past 20 years, I spent time doing research on water downstream from the oil sands. I worked with Dr. David Schindler looking at polycyclical aerohydrocarbons, how that's impacting the atmosphere, the water. I mean, these are all really important things that we have to improve on as Albertans. Uh, on our live chat, if you're just joining us on the Mixler live streaming audio app presented by California Closets, Jody Calhoun Stonehouse, our guest. Uh, she's an NDP MLA first term, and she wants to be leader. I can tell you're making an impression with our live chat, which is good. Uh, Neil thinks that I'm absolutely out to lunch on uh, COP. He says that uh, Daniel Smith's junket was a huge waste of money. Um, what about this from uh, Vince, who says he's glad to hear you talking about water, says it's a huge problem. No one's talking about uh, Alberta's going to be uh, an 
arid plain, he says, by the end of this century. Where are 10 million people getting their drinking water from yeah. once the glaciers have melted? Uh, Sylvia's touching on uh, coal mine. Uh, that story out of uh, Grassy Mountain says we're poisoning more of our water, uh, says uh, her information Protect according to. Yeah, yeah, I mean, geez. That's another one. Like it's 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 interesting, right? Like this conversation in Alberta about the environment and the economy, yeah. and uh, I think the most successful politicians have been able to convince the, the largest number of people that it's possible to prioritize both. Um, but you know, you start talking like you're talking, um, and you're gonna have a lot of people support you in a big way, and you're gonna have a lot of people get really skittish, right? When you start talking about like emissions in Alberta's oil sands, all of a sudden people get really skittish, right? Yeah, the prime well, minister sat in the chair to- you're sitting in a week ago today <laughs> and started talking. And you were about, very nice to him. <laughs> oh, I was very. Oh, you shit disturber. <laughs> Do you think I should have been harder on the prime minister? I think it should be harder on every guest. Okay, should I be harder on you? Apps go. Well, I'm having fun with you. I think this. I think people are getting to know you really well. I think we're a nice conversation I guess I could be more of a jerk but what what should I have asked the prime minister that I didn't ask him about you know I think you need to push him a little bit around the relationship with Alberta he did talk about it but let's let's talk about real investment in Alberta they were here talking about housing investment yeah let's talk about numbers what about the health care what about what are those agreements let's talk about all of our agreements with the federal government how are they going to improve the relationship with alberta okay so you're not you're not rolling in here and acting like danielle smith is combative with with the federal government I mean, it's probably going to be a polyev government anyway by the yeah, time this yeah. is all said and done but but you're not going to roll Here's in and thing. act like if you're going to play anyone nice. should not trust the feds it's a first nation albertan like <laughs> let's be clear if anyone shouldn't trust them however we are alberta we are part of canada and again back to relationships mm. we want outcomes i don't care about being friendly with anyone I want to see outcomes I'm not here to make friends I'm here to make change uh, we've already got like 50 quotes from this interview. Uh, our, our work is done. Uh, I think that and I'm just joking, but you're, you're like, honestly, it's, uh, you know, you're, you're, uh, I can see this campaign catching fire and inspiring people, but you know, it's an uphill climb, right? Like it's, is it fair to call you the underdog in this race? Yeah, I would say I am. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, so what do you, I mean, in an interview like this will go a long way, but, but what do you, what do you do to kind of get on people's radar, get people's attention? Cause like you're ultimately, uh, people can walk away from hearing this podcast or watching this on YouTube and, and going, gosh, she's impressive. She's funny. She says what she thinks. I really like her style, but unless they go and like buy a membership and vote That's for you, just it doesn't it, right? matter. Vote, right? vote for Jody.ca. And right? you do have to buy a membership you have to engage and so that's what I'm doing spending time on doorsteps spending time in communities and uh, actually listening to folks what do they want to see Alberta look like what do what's the Alberta we can imagine together yeah that's the campaign stronger together way too many divisive politics yeah we have far too many problems to solve and we need each other you um, and maybe you can spell this out for our audience because I don't have all the information I just know that you've done a ton of work in law mm-hmm. I know that you wrote I think Concordia in Montreal for a while right yeah, was yeah, that I was right teaching there, um, yeah. you were the executive director of, as we mentioned, of the Yellowhead Indigenous Education Foundation. Uh, people can learn more about that by just checking out yellowheadtribalcouncil.ca. So you've, you've done a lot of work with like um, indigenous young learners. You, yeah. You've helped develop uh, curriculum programs, basically. You've, you've, you've worked with young law students. Like, so, so obviously you got a ton of experience in that space. Yeah. How do you see Alberta as a player? And like, div- we talk a lot about you know building economy and building industry yeah. by, by attracting, training, and retaining talent. 
how do you approach that and how does as an indigenous person uh, how, how does how is your lens impacted by that well i can see what happens when we don't invest in people when we don't get them excited about being part of building the future is that they become complacent and actually destructive and so we have to spend the time investing in our young people you know if we look at the impacts of covid 19 on that generation of young people uh they and climate change the summers are smoky they're kind of depressed and rightfully so they don't see a lot of hope they don't see a lot of future of alberta for themselves and that means we have to find ways to invest in their future for them ultimately it's always about the next generation it's always about the seven generations ahead of us so Mm. what's the foundation we can lay for them what's something that i have not asked you about that you want to make sure we have a chance to talk about before i thank you for your time Wow, I, there's nothing off the top of my head, Ryan. I'm really thankful to be here to share with you. And uh, I think it's important work that we talk about who we are and what, we, what our intentions are, uh, including yours. So okay. who's your next guest? Who's my next guest? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, no, no, no one today. We're going we're to analyze what we've heard from you. And uh, we're going to pay attention to a couple more Alberta politics Well, your stories. next exciting guest. Tomorrow, like- well, we got Sarah Lorinyuk joining us live from Europe tomorrow. She's wow. the two-year anniversary of, the, of Russia's war in Ukraine. It feels weird to use the word anniversary yeah let's say the two-year mark and then as you know i mean here's something that, that you'll care about uh, the budget alberta budget yeah. is out yeah. you know on the 29th of february uh which is thursday of this week if you're listening to this live or, or recent lots to pay um, attention so to. we'll do an alberta budget roundtable on friday and kind of dig into that what's something that you're looking at in this budget um it's always interesting to see where the government pegs oil I'm at fury. five billion dollar surplus and where what have we invested in in our province first of all and so i'm imagining the numbers are going to be reduced in this budget allocations are going to be lower and the need is higher across the board in the province so uh it's not going to be uh it's not going to be pretty what's something that what's something that you would do like if you if you were you know finance minister or premier and you're looking at a five billion dollar surplus what's you know some people will say heritage say stress fund some people say pay down the debt some people mm-hmm. will say pay nurses or pay child care workers or or whatever the case may be what would you do so we have to look at where the need is and what we're hearing is that albertans are struggling to pay their bills affordability utilities power we have to go where the need is we have to take care of our people our citizens which is affordability that's what directly you do? where what I would go. you do about utility bills <laughs> well i would certainly make sure that there is power and that we're not going to have a brownout that's yeah. embarrassing uh-huh. the capital of the country and we everyone's saving power what have we done what have we invested in you know this is embarrassing so that's one of the things but insofar as giving people a break on and kathleen ganley i think also raised this around um giving people a break for the utilities mm. so i'm not the only one who's suggesting that this is what needs to happen if with a surplus because we want to make sure families individuals seniors i mean we've terrified them with the cpp potential yeah they're terrified i mean we've created Some utter of them chaos are. probably most of them are yes as a matter of fact johnny do you mind we were going to do this later but do you want to throw up that polling that, that we had uh, this was released i want to give a shout out to dave berta you know dave cornwaye yes uh the dave berta blog he's a good friend of the show and we recommend daveberta.ca for anybody that wants to stay on top of alberta political stories but he released this this is uh environics uh polling uh this was released or conducted at least uh, a th- sample size of about a thousand people online 
Online, Albertans, uh, February 16th. So we'll call it, you know, a week and a bit ago, coming up on a couple of weeks ago, as a matter of fact. Um, if, a render, if a referendum was held, here's the question. If a referendum was held on replacing the Canada Pension Plan with an Alberta-only plan, how would you vote? And 1,000 Albertans polled, uh, 77% of them said, I would vote no. In other words, 77%, let's call it 8 out of 10, would vote to remain in the CPP, my math teacher there in high school go. would have encouraged me to say four out of five as opposed to eight out of ten. Four out of five Albertans uh, polled by Enveronix uh, would remain in the Canada pension plan. And line. I'll tell you but something, But when's Ryan. the last time? Let me ask you this. Not yes. carrying water for the premier. As a matter of fact, I, I'm just like, this is just trying to make this show look good because we predicted this months ago. Yeah. When's the last time Danielle Smith even talked about this once? Uh, like, it's, 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 she doesn't want anything to talk about. Well, Nobody then she in the, needs to let people it's know. It's obvious. It was obvious from the outset uh, that it was a why. bad idea. Senior citizens that I, when I door knock, when I visit, they're still afraid. So you need to reassure them. As the leader, your citizens need to feel safe in their homes, in their mm. province. So she needs to come out and let them know that this is not going to happen so that they can be reassured. Interesting question here from Jim, who says, I'd love to ask how Jody would navigate the old establishment mm. in Alberta who regularly exert its power through investment or investment retraction. That from Jim. Hi, that's Jim. A good, that's, that's a good question. That is a good question. And so how do we work with the old establishment? Well, we have to meet them where they're at. Uh, again, back to relationships. So where are people at? Where do they want to go? And it's about finding our alignment. How do we move together moving forward? Because ultimately, we all want the same things. We all want a beautiful place to live. We want to make sure that all Albertans are prosperous, that we're healthy, that our institutions are healthy. So it, it's about relationships and getting what we want, all of us. I haven't even mentioned mentioned your media career but you know most people are going to hear this on the podcast but I just want to point out you, you know you've worked in TV when you were talking to Jim you were looking at your <laughs> you were looking at your one shot you were looking at your camera to talk to Jim that's somebody that's worked in in radio and television does that that that's got to influence your obviously it influences your storytelling it influences your communication having worked in media well I think it helps uh yeah. you know you're not, you're not afraid to be in front I'm not of a, a microphone. rookie I'm <laughs> um I don't know if you saw yet when you came in here we were hanging out in the green room um and I didn't really show you my office, but there's a beautiful, when you leave, mm. I encourage you to check out, there's a stone carving uh, in there. It's a polar bear and an Anukshuk. Uh, nice. It's it's hand carved by a fellow by the name of Lou Jobs, uh, who came in here and talked to us about his experience, uh, experiencing homelessness and uh, how he found his way out. And it's, it's one of my favorite episodes of all time in the sense that it was like so personal. And Lou just came in and, and, and just captivated our audience. And he's got a question for you here. It's amazing to see his Hello, name Lou. in the live chat. Lou is just a man of great character and conviction. And he says, how is the child welfare state and the apprehensions of indigenous children now any different than the 60s scoop? He says the numbers are the highest they've ever been. It's true. It's worse than it's ever been. And in fact, what we're doing is we're institutionalizing people. So we go from child and family services, child welfare, foster home, and then we go straight into uh, juvenile institutions, and then we're looking at incarceration. So really, these are what are depleting our systems. This is not, this is not fixing a problem. In fact, we're creating more problems. It's a broken system. So it means we need to look at the judiciary system. We need restorative justice models that work. It means working, and particularly we know 80% of Indigenous women in prison, or 80% of women in prison are Indigenous, which means we have to do the work in First Nations communities. Uh, we have to do the, the healing work, and it's an investment which we haven't seen the province step up to. 
I love this comment. Uh, this is from Jenny, who says Canada needs indigenous leadership from coast to coast to coast. Thanks for stepping forward, Jody. Uh, thank that you, Jenny. Jenny. Uh, I should say her full name. That's Jenny Yermi. She's been on the show before hey, talking hey. about uh, she's an environmental. Uh, what is she? She's like, a, so, well, she's smarter than all of us. Well, not, maybe not you. I'm not. I'm gonna, I'm about, Here's she's the thing smarter about than me. being a leader, Ryan. You don't you're not the smartest person in the room. You yeah, find the smartest people and like they the, uh, work on this problem. Yeah, not me. Yeah, that was I think that that was George W. Bush's thing. Wow. He, he, he after, you know, he put his foot in his mouth time and time again. And then he basically adopted this strategy, which was brilliant to say <laughs> that I just surround myself by people smarter than me. And everyone said, well, that's very apparent. That's pretty obvious. But it worked for him. Uh, in all seriousness, though, uh, you're a force of nature. And okay. um, and uh, it's like for a privilege for me to introduce you to this audience. Uh, I, respectfully, some people may not have heard of you before. It's true. Uh, but they're going to remember this conversation. They're going to remember you saying what you think. And mm -hmm. uh, and obviously speaking from a, a, a place of conviction. And uh, I appreciate you joining us. Jody Calhoun Stonehouse. She's the candidate, uh, the, the fourth date of the race, uh, the most recent. Uh, for the leadership of the Alberta NDP, you can check out voteforjody.ca. That's Jody with an I. Voteforjody.ca. And you know what I think, Ryan? You're huh. going to do a land acknowledgement from here on out on your show, hey? Hey, my friend. You know what? Every show has a land acknowledgement. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I just right, didn't. Yeah, right. At the, it's it's at the end. It's it's our voiceover, and we acknowledge Treaty Six territory. We'll do it at the beginning. Yeah, we by could. The end, I yeah, tap yeah. Out. Yeah, we could. By the end, you tap <laughs> out. Jeez. Well, at least you're not lying. Hey, I'm going to give you a little something. Mm. Here's this. So I'll make this announcement. We weren't going to announce it yet, but I'll announce it. You uh, you asked what big guests are coming up. So on Wednesday, March 13th, the Premier of Alberta will join us in this studio on Wednesday, March 13th. Uh, what's a question you want me to ask her? I'll ask it. So she just did a photo op with chiefs and uh, made no signing agreement whatsoever to anything. And we know currently they are facing the largest epidemic of uh, opioid crisis, housing crisis, and there was no commitment made. I would want to know, why would you take a photo without making a commitment? We'll ask her on Wednesday, March 13th. I love it. Thanks, Ryan. You got it. That's Jody Calhoun Stonehouse. I'm wishing Good you the to be best you. of luck. Hi, and uh, I mean, you, you and I haven't known each other forever. Um, I just met you. But I know. Uh, where was it? Chamber Ball, I think yes. we met for the first time. Yes. So not too long ago. And uh, and I told you then and I told you now, I believe that regardless of, of, of partisan affiliation, we need, I said this on this show yesterday, we need more people like you in politics. And uh, and so I appreciate you. Put, like, like Jenny just said, I appreciate you throwing your hat in the ring and being a big part of this. Thank you. You I got appreciate it. appreciate that. You can, uh, again, check out voteforjody.ca. Let us know what you thought about what you just heard. Uh, she's going to shake the cage, obviously. She's going to get some people's attention with some of the stuff she just said. Uh, talk at Ryan Jesperson is where you can find us. You can hit us in the live chat if you're watching this live on YouTube. And of course, you know, you can also uh, leave a comment on any one of our social media platforms. Every Wednesday, courtesy of our friends at Tourism Jasper, we have a chance to step outside of the news cycle, right? And, and to head out to the mountains to, to remind ourselves of the memories that lie in wait in beautiful Jasper National Park. It's my Jasper memories presented by by Tourism Jasper. Did anybody or did everybody check out The Bachelor? Check out The Bachelor on Monday night. How great was that to see uh, beautiful uh, Western Canada, the Rocky Mountains, of course, the crown jewel of the Rockies, if you ask me. 
featured right there uh, as uh, Bachelor Jake or Joey, rather, Bachelor Joey. My 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 my, my brain's all rattled now. Talking Putting about Alberta on the, the map. Mountains. Putting Alberta on the map. <laughs> um, did an absolutely uh, fabulous job. The organizers, the producers of uh, showcasing, in particular, the Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge. But they did all kinds of cool yeah. things, like I the forgot. wood chopping and the horseback riding and the all the neat stuff. The polar bear plunge. I mean, we're all watching this one because of Jasper. But you're you you and Carrie, you're big Bachelor fans, right? Like you well, usually watch. Well, I mean, like. Eh, you know, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I want to go on the record exactly. I always say, I always say, well, we watch it together, and people are like, what does that mean? Um, but it was so cool, Johnny, to be watching it and to be going, oh, they're in the Milligan cabin. Oh, they're in the yeah, Outlook cabin. Spotting the place. You know, oh, there, yeah. there they are by, by, you know, uh, on the shores of Black Beauvais or Lake Mildred yeah. or whatever. And and all, all of us obviously so proud of this part of the world, but really neat uh, to see that property showcased for the world to see and i don't know like the drone shots that they had showing the athabasca river and and showing just the beautiful i mean obviously mount edith cavell and pyramid mountain mm. and all these iconic landmarks in jasper um people are gonna be wondering if they're watching on youtube we because of copyright we can't show you the footage i know we want you got to. it you got it we, <laughs> like, they'll sue us but you can't want, show you, anything you, you that's gotta, been on you TV. gotta go see it you gotta go see it for yourself but to hear the the bachelorettes that were there and and bachelor mm. joey as well just it took their breath away and i don't know i just to be honest i felt kind of proud as an alberta boy sure. uh, seeing a lot of them i think for the majority of them it was their very first time out there so so cool that was the most recent episode of the bachelor just a couple of days ago i think it was the 26th of february that it aired if you missed it make sure you check it out Jasper just front and center the entire time. So cool. Um, wanted to let you know quickly about something that's happening right now, though. Tourism Jasper is partnering with the Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation to raise much-needed funds. This is the 50-50 draw coming up on March 3rd. That's the Oilers and the Penguins this Sunday. Uh, all of the proceeds, this is such a great cause, are going to go toward the Friends of Jasper National Park, the Jasper Food Bank, and Jasper Minor Sports. So it is all Jasper all the time on the March 3rd third Oilers 50-50 draw. If you're in Jasper, we invite you to join a whole crew of hockey fans at the Jasper Brewing Company uh, to watch the Oilers game. I recommend the Elk Meat Loaf, by the way. Uh, you can get your 50-50 tickets online. Support the community. That's Sunday, March 3rd at 7 p.m. Jasper Brewing Company is going to be offering happy hour pricing on pints of beer. Um, they brew some of the best beer in Canada. I love that crisp pills of theirs. Uh, they've also got the Jasper the Bear Ale, which is so fantastic. Oh, yeah. And Johnny, after 6 p.m., $5 shots of Pink Whitney. So there you go. The <laughs> For the $5, boys. $5, $5 shots of Pink Whitney <laughs> at the Jasper Brewing Company. When you make your Jasper memories, we'd love to see them. You can tag us, Real Talk RJ, and hashtag MyJasper on Instagram or Twitter, and you can see your photos featured on an upcoming episode of My Jasper Memories, presented proudly by Tourism Jasper every Wednesday right here on the show. Talk about, uh, like, when Jody enters a room yeah right she does politics a little bit differently would you agree oh my gosh i was i was very impressed very impressed yeah and as somebody commented here i think it was noob try again you know one of the least known candidates right now probably i'm gonna say this one of the the most inexperienced but the one that lit a fire under me the most that we've had in studio and that's yeah. no offense to rocky who i enjoyed who was in here yeah kathleen ganley sarah hoffman i thought hoffman was grabbed great. our attention with her video but that's today for sure. very clear very articulate knows what she wants knows what she wants to bring forward i even pushed you a little on some things about cop i which, love that and and i agreed with some things i agreed with you when we discussed it that i i thought alberta needs to be there 
like she says, 33% of emissions in in the country comes yeah. from Alberta. We definitely need to be there. I, I'm I'm on her side a bit with 120 people. I I think we could have done with 40 That's or 50. Okay. You know, but but uh, I I loved how she pushed you a little. She's not afraid to do that, and and I and I think she's got some gusto, and I I think people now. After yeah. today, are going to know about her. Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate her feedback on the uh, on the Trudeau interview because I, I really hadn't heard from anybody about that Trudeau interview, and I just didn't know how anyone was feeling about it. So I appreciate we didn't we didn't have any comments. We hadn't received any emails. There was no action on Twitter. There was no action online. I was starting to wonder if anybody had actually watched that. Are Justin. you kidding? No. So, right oh, can oh, you oh stop no. It? Oh, okay. You know. So so, so so I appreciated her constructive criticism there. Uh, there's. I'm just of course fucking around. Um, <laughs> Uh, so they, uh, I, I wanted to get to some of the comments here in the live chat, and then we'll, we'll get to a couple of political stories that we, we were going to touch on the polling around the, the Canada pension plan versus sure. Alberta pension, but it made sense to talk about it with Jody there. I just thought it was pretty interesting. It's, it's obvious the government has not released, the Alberta government has not released its polling on this, which says all you need to know, uh, which is what we already knew, which was it, it's a bad idea and it's not a good idea for Albertans. And and I think that most people are and I use the word respectfully, but most people are skittish about their investments, about their nest egg, about their pension. And they don't want people messing around. They don't want politicians pulling the strings and calling the shots when it comes to where your retirement savings, where your pension's going to go. If there's one thing that you want to be able to count on, that you want to feel is invested with a small C, and again, I'll acknowledge I'm kind of speaking on mass here and maybe you disagree. If you're 25 years old, 35 years old, maybe you disagree. If you're 70 years old, you probably agree. You don't want you want you want a small C conservative approach. You, you want an approach that has well, you can't always guarantee results. You want something that you feel is rock solid, that's invested properly, that's invested with a diversified portfolio. You don't want a politician that's looking to make a splash to invest eleven billion dollars of your pension fund into a pipeline that might not happen, or to invest five billion dollars into some incentive in the oil sands that you don't know if is gonna be a relevant or good investment in ten years or twelve years from now, right? I mean, I think that's what the majority of the hesitation comes from. If you poll Albertans on how they feel about oil and gas or the energy industry, you'll get big numbers of them saying they support it, which is great. A lot of us work in oil and gas. We'd all be screwed without oil and gas. But that doesn't mean that everybody wants all of their pension dollars controlled by a petro state, controlled by an Alberta government that has to play nice with big oil because it's such a big part of our economy. This is not a bad word. This is not an insult. We need to be able to have these conversations, but people get uncomfortable, don't they? Until they're pulled, until things like their retirement savings come into the mix. And then that's when people get touchy. That's when people don't want to see it messed around with. It's when people mm -hmm. don't want to see political footballs thrown around. They don't want to see the value of their pension plummet. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are nervous about what that might look like. Well, I'm thinking about people who had a plan to retire in a year or two. What the heck are they thinking right now? Or people like, that those are already are retired I've, yeah. on fixed incomes that exactly. don't have an option to go back You're to gonna work. You're going to tinker with the numbers now? I'm, I'm about to, you know go down to florida or whatever you yeah. know what i mean i'm about to set up you know one of my kids for college i'm about to do this or that i'm about to invest in a business after you know all this craziness with COVID, and now yeah. you're going to tinker with the numbers this yeah. is crazy i don't know I, I just don't think it's a good idea um I, I saw some people in the live chat saying i thought it was uh, not, not bachelor joey's by the way who was it kimberly said bachelor joey's the best bachelor they've ever had she likes bachelor joey other side i thought it was tucker carlson's job to put alberta on the map what about tucker carlson <laughs> 
if if you missed my review of Tucker Carlson live, you can find it in our YouTube highlights. Great job. Uh, yeah, that was a good show. Um, we got some comments from some other people on some st- stuff happening around us, and I don't mind touching on this. Um, I, I saw someone touching on. Did you see um, John Stewart back on the Daily Show now talking about the, the loss of his dog? Did you see this, yeah, Johnny? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was like such a beautiful tribute. This this tripod pit bull, this three legged yeah. brindle pit bull that he adopted, um, and they just they just said goodbye to this this beautiful pup and 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 john stewart went on and did this thing of course i watched it as i'm sitting next to our 11 and a half year old uh, rapidly mm. aging boxer moses and i got tears streaming down my face as i'm watching john stewart and and it reminded me um i don't know if you ever saw jimmy stewart on johnny carson back in the day mm. uh we won't play it because uh, obviously it's copyright content but you can go- you can youtube it yourself google it yourself jimmy stewart uh talking about his dog Bo. And um, and uh, his dog Bo had just passed away, and he wrote a poem, and he read it on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, mm. and it will absolutely. I, I mean, it, it, I don't care if you like have your own dog or not. Um, if you've ever loved or lost a pup, though, or a cat, or or an animal, you know that that's been very close to you. Yeah. Uh, people talking about these losses and the, the the footprints, the paw prints that they make on our hearts. It's uh, absolutely pretty amazing stuff. Right? I always say this all the time. You know, like they they're here for such a short amount of time. Think of a day to them. A day to them is like seven weeks or yeah. seven months or whatever yeah. it is. You gotta like soak up every day. And I try to. Some days I go to bed and I'm like, you know what? I didn't I didn't hang out with the dog enough today. I didn't love the dog like. My yeah. partner Jatinder and our, our dog are like, you know, she's getting every ounce of love out of this dog. Oh, yeah. They're in separate. Oh, big shout out to uh, my wife today. Happy birthday! Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to Jatinder! I like that. Aaron says, "Why would you watch a tribute to a dog?" As if we need more pain in our hearts. I was just no, going to say that. It filled my heart. It filled my heart, and I and I took a moment with Moses after just to let him know how much I care about him. And can I just like whatever? Not whatever. I take that back. But this is not what we're here to talk about. But I I just as I had my arms around him last night, and I had my hand on his spine, and I can feel his muscle mass disappearing because ah. he's not mobile anymore and yeah. he's just he's, he's aging quickly but i just like every second like how his ears smell like everything about him i'm just taking it in i'm saying everything to him that i want to say to him and i think anybody that's been in that boat knows why yeah you know why it's, it's great that you're doing yeah. that but i i was just gonna say i'm the, i'm i'm with your the commenter here i am so I can't watch those videos, and my wife sends them to me all the time. Yeah, and I'm you like, gotta pick and why choose. are you doing? Why did you send three in a row about like you know dogs with no back legs, or or you know an orphaned, uh, you know adoptable dog that can't make its twenty five percent adoption fee or whatever? Oh, yeah. And the cat, well, the these kennels, kill shelters are the like, worst. Oh my god, down in California and elsewhere. Absolutely and, horrible. You know, um, I, I want to get some more comments here. You know, we better uh, pay a couple bills first. But I wanted there's there's a story happening in Alberta politics uh, that, that that demands our attention. Oh, Plus, yeah. There's there's the province of Alberta saying it's going to walk away from the National Pharmacare program. I know some of you have uh, questions about that. And then I saw Wise Kyle in our chat as well talking about this comedy troupe. Did you did you see this comedy troupe that's having their shows canceled? Um, they had they were selling Robert Picton shirts on oh, their I website. Heard of, yeah, you, I heard about like, this. Part of me is like. I don't want to shine a lot of light on this. And then part of me is like, if real talk doesn't talk about it, don't we have to strip the name off the show <laughs> if we're afraid to talk about things like that? So, so that uh, maybe uh, on wise Kyle's suggestion in just a quick second, um, we wanted to let you know that while we're nearing the end of the month of February, and it's been a heck of a month at Friesen Brothers, of course, as they've made that big commitment uh, to the Mazinkowski Alberta Heart Institute at the University Hospital Foundation as part of Heart Month. Obviously, we know we want to pursue healthy living. Uh, 
all throughout the calendar year. And so that's why there's been uh, such a, a great focus on Heart Month at Friesen Brothers. Uh, through February, whether it's fruits and vegetables, fresh and lean Alberta meat, fresh fish, nutritious grains, or even some of the meals that are prepared by their Red Seal chefs. Did you know there's Red Seal chefs at Friesen Brothers? Unbelievable. Just one of the million things that sets them apart. You can check out their commitment to heart-healthy products. They're all marked with a Heart Month icon through the month of February in-store. 16 locations through the province of Alberta. Friesen Brothers, oh, by the way, soon to be 17, still Alberta-grown and Alberta-owned. Our friends at California Closets, let me tell you, based on first-hand experience, nobody designs custom closets and storage solutions better than they do. I've got a thing that pulls out, Johnny, that holds all my ties nice and neat, and it displays them all, and they don't get all wrinkled and wrecked and looking brutal. They can have these like little slide-out units that make sure that your pants stay pressed or your shirts or blouses don't get wrinkled. You put all this time into it, and you know you want to look your best, and you don't want to spend half an hour searching for that pair of socks or those shoes you barely wear, but when you need them, you need them. Am I talking directly to you? Uh, we're speaking California Closets language. They've got a team of designers and installers that are literally the best in the business, and their pricing is competitive. As a matter of fact, real talkers tell us that they get higher quotes from California Closets competitors. Yes, California Closets, they'll tell you they don't have any competition at all. They're the cream of the crop. You can request a free consultation today at californiaclosets.ca. Our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy want uh, us to make very clear to you that they're dead serious about hiring all the time. They are literally never not hiring. And so if you know somebody that's an electrician, that's an apprentice, somebody that has experience up on rooftops, somebody that's worked around farms and agriculture, someone that works in sales, human resources, office management. Are, are we giving you the right idea of how this team is growing, how they're scaling up? They're Western Canada's busiest solar installer, and the sky's the limit. See what I did there, Johnny? The sky's the limit at Kubi Energy. Oh, yes. You can check out the careers link. I'm pretty proud of myself there. The careers link at kubienergy.ca and follow them on Instagram if you want to see some of their work. Unbelievable stuff. And speaking of hiring opportunities, uh, before we talk politics, let's talk industry. If you're an engineer, it could be mechanical engineer, electrical engineer, processing, whatever the case is. If you're a PNG, and you're feeling stagnant, you're feeling like the place you're at right now, the firm you're with is not helping you reach your true potential, take five minutes and visit apexautomation.ca. They're building a culture where amazing people like you can do their best work. If you're ready to grow your career, challenge yourself, and learn new skills, you've come to the right place. They're currently hiring a controller, a systems integrator, and automation field services specialists. You can learn why you should work at Apex by checking out those links at apexautomation.ca. Uh, pretty interesting reporting from Kelly Kreiderman, uh, who's a, a political writer, a journalist, uh, mm. obviously writes for an audience across the country. But we were talking about David Parker. Uh, if you missed Charles Adler's appearance on the show, we encourage you to check it out. He joins us the first episode of every week. And uh, we were talking to him uh, about David Parker. This is the Take Back Alberta founder who basically took a 
huge swipe at the aid. leader of the federal conservatives. Um, it was uh, middle of the afternoon. I know a lot of people, and, and I don't want to make light of this or poke fun at this, but a lot of people have pointed out that Parker has been open about his struggles with alcohol. Yeah. Uh, he's talked a lot about how his, his alcoholism has impacted uh, some of the things that he's said and tweeted publicly. There's a record of that. I'm not saying sure. anything profound. Uh, but this one, and, and not to say that you can't you know get bombed on tequila sunrises at nine in the morning, but he this must one must have been having was, a few. It, 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 it was like 1230 <laughs> in the afternoon this is wild. on the 23rd of February. Uh, he says, I feel sorry for Aneda Poliev. This is Pierre's wife. Uh, she has to watch her husband spend hundreds of hours a month with his old friend with benefits. Jeez. I'm sorry your husband doesn't give you the respect you deserve, Aneda. No man should be spending that much time with a woman he used to sleep with if he's married. Uh, that from David Parker picking a fight with the leader of the official opposition and who could be the next prime minister of Canada. So you got to wonder, like, is this the end of David Parker? Is this David Parker playing chess, not checkers? Is there something we don't know about to happen? I mean, I shared one theory with Chuck earlier this week. You can check it out involving the premier of Alberta's chief of staff, Marshall Smith, uh, and his relationship with David Parker, whether or not people think maybe Marshall Smith should be Pierre Polyev, senior advisor. I mean, there's all kinds of ideas on why this might be happening. We can also point out that if you're trying to make sense of why David Parker is doing something, it might be a fool's errand, right? Well, the obvious question here is what is Danielle Smith going to do about this? Because it, it's well known that the premier of Alberta has time for David Parker. She was at his wedding. It's well known that Parker's group, Take Back Alberta, has taken control of the United Conservative Party board and a whole bunch of constituency associations as well. Um, Adler said it. He's got power, whether you like it or not. They've got influence on the party. So what's the premier going to do now that this guy's picking fights with the federal conservative leader. It's a headache for Danielle Smith, right? So here's what Kelly Kreiderman reports uh, just uh, after we wrapped up our show uh, on the 27th of February. So that was yesterday. Basically, if you're listening to this the day we do it, she says Premier Smith uh, says she has told Take Back Alberta leader David Parker to delete his ex account, delete his Twitter account and, quote, get some help, said the Premier of Alberta. I just don't want to be associated with that kind of commentary that includes personal attacks and bullying. Well, no shit. Wow. And it's this, uh, a tough look for her and it puts her in a tough spot. And isn't this crazy because everyone's going wild online right now about the online harms act and people getting fined up to $70,000 yeah. and possibly facing a prosecution and even jail time that Premier Smith is talking about online bullying and how she doesn't want to be associated with it. That's crazy. But David Parker, I, I, I don't know anything about his personal life in terms of whether he's drinking during the day or whether he has mental health issues. It's uh, not up to us to speculate on that. Uh, right? Not at all. I would assume some of his thoughts are quite wild, so I don't know. I know he was homeschooled. I'm not going to say anything about whether that, but I will say that this <laughs> tweet, this <laughs> tweet that, no, but like, who knows? It could be a myriad of things, or he could have been in, in the clearest you know, state he ever was when he tweeted this. But I will say that this tweet came out. I think both of us had just left the office and we immediately started texting back and forth. What is going on? Because even for him, it was out there. That, that's what I said. Like I, I said, you know, like if 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 he thinks that he's going to big dog Pierre Poliev, he's lost his mind more than There's usual. No way. More than usual. Uh, I just don't see... Like, you know, you, you get a lot of people that are like diehard take back Alberta supporters. I know because you come at me all the time. You're all over my Twitter, uh, you know, momentarily until you're muted. Um, but like we get that you're there. 
but the Venn diagram of like take back Alberta supporters, this is the one where the two circles, right? You know, the, the two communities and, and, and what's left in the middle. This is the Venn diagram, like take back Alberta supporters and Pierre Polyev supporters. It's like a perfect circle, right? And so now are you going to have to choose? You're going to make your choice. Are you, are you going to take this man that you've seen as like a, a disciple or even a prophet? Um, you know, that, that uh, are, are you going to take the word of, of that man that, that you believe that he's going to get conservatism? on the right track and, and move number one or move number two or three, I guess, by now is to is to put the federal conservative leader in his sights and start ripping his wife, start talking about his personal life, his past physical relationships that are either relevant or not, but certainly none of your business. And even if you believed it to be your business from a political strategy standpoint, absolutely mind boggling. I mean, it's one thing if it's, you know, you sense weakness in a leader like, you know, I, sure. I, I quite like smell blood. Aaron O'Toole. Aaron O'Toole's a nice guy. He's got time for people. He grants interview requests. He speaks with people with different political perspectives than him. Aaron tools. O'Toole is a nice guy. Maybe that was part of the problem. Nobody bought his tough guy routine and he couldn't beat Trudeau in an election. And then he started getting immediately eaten alive by, by conservative MPs and by party members. And he was gone. He was jettisoned. Hmm. That's not the case right now with Pierre Polyev. Now, I understand that not every conservative MP feels like Pierre is the best for their brand or that, or that his rise, his ascension is is sustainable or his approach and being combative to media and basically just being a real prick <laughs> is the right move. But it's working right now and he's doubled the membership of the party and he's fundraising like crazy and he's got this cult following course, like when Pierre yeah. Polyev releases videos he's like you know he's you know hey Justin he's got his airpods in <laughs> he's like he's in the passenger seat of the Dodge Eating Durango an and he's like hey Justin and he does his videos <laughs> and guess what like 700 800 900,000 people watch these videos a million people watch his videos like David Parker, this is the guy you're going to take on? Mm -hmm. I just can't wrap my mind around it. So certainly on the 13th of March, I know it feels like forever from now because it's like more than two weeks away, uh, but this is one of the things we absolutely will ask the Premier of Alberta about, but she's already gone on the record. I'm not surprised because it was obvious from the second that David Parker sent that tweet, the number one thing, you know, that political group chat I'm in, we bring him in here for the roundtables every started once going in a while. <laughs> started going off, and the very first comment was, What's the premier going to say about this? I mean, if you're talking about David Parker and and the way everybody thinks he's he's this politico and and he has his strategy, this is the worst strategy I've ever seen. You're talking to a guy who, by all accounts in the polls at this moment, will probably be the next prime minister of Canada. Not only that, if he is, is going to be working very closely with someone he probably agrees with on a lot of things, not everything, our premier Daniel Smith, who you yourself are organizing rallies for to say thank you to. Yeah. It the circle here, like you said, it, you're just you're just blowing everything up. So yeah. so possibly something's going on in his life where I think at this point, David Parker, if you're gonna stay in the game and be this powerhouse like everyone thinks you are, Charles Adler says it all the time. He's got a stake in things. He's pushing buttons. He's making things happen. He 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 is a guy who makes people do moves. I mean, get a publicist. Get someone who 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 hits the send button for you yeah. and make sure they check everything first. Yeah, um, <laughs> this is crazy. We'll, we'll give Wise Kyle uh, credit for putting this story into the live chat, and I don't mind uh, commenting on it. Um, by the way, I don't know if uh, I don't know if this is appropriate to read or not, but I actually think that this is kind of funny. Although it's this is kind of mean. No, you know what? I'm not going to read it. Never mind. Double. We can pull that out of the podcast. Me. When's the when is the last time I ever pumped the brakes and didn't read a comment? Wow. 
market, February 28th of 2024. <laughs> I walked away from reading a comment. Um, uh, but uh, the, the Wise Kyle put this in our chat. I don't know if you heard of this Danger Cats comedy troupe. Have you heard of these guys? No. Um, so they were set to take the stage in New Westminster, BC, in New West um, in March. And the owner of the House of Comedy, who Rick Bronson, who is a personal friend of mine, Rick owns the comic strip in West Edmonton Mall, and he owns the, the comic strip in, uh, what's that big one in New Jersey? Not Mall of America, but the other Grameesian Mall, the big, huge mall in New Yuck Jersey. Uh, whatever it is, no, it's, it, it, so he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's got comedy clubs uh, across North America. And they've canceled the show, Alberta's Danger Cats, uh, which is sort of, I, I guess, putting a lot of people in an interesting position, trying to decide how they feel about this. Uh, because ultimately, you know, like, do, do people have a right to freedom of speech? People get sensitive when things, when like comedians are canceled or when comedy shows are canceled. People will say, well, well, comedy and live comedy is, is supposed to be, you know, uh, like the, sort of the last bastion of free speech. Like comedians are supposed to be able to say things before anybody else. Like I, I think of Gilbert Gottfried, like it was mm. joking about the Japanese tsunami, like as it was happening. Um, and, and Gottfried like lost his, uh, he was the Aflac, Remember Aflac, that <laughs> duck boy. He used to do the Aflac and he got, he lost that gig and all this. And everybody yeah. said, well, hang on a second. Comedians, uh, we're supposed to treat comedians differently. You know, they're supposed to, Dave Chappelle's supposed to be able to talk about transgender people and, and comedians, you know, George Carlin's supposed to be able to use all the seven words and like stand-up comedy is supposed to be different. This is pretty. Well, this comedy troupe was selling t-shirts um, and, and, and we'll show the shirt on here. I mean, like it kind of blows my mind. Um, and again, I guess I'm kind of advertising for these guys in a way, but, but what do you want me to do? Um, they were selling t-shirts, uh, basically making light of serial killer Robert Picton, That's... Uh, who is responsible for the deaths of dozens of missing and murdered Over indigenous 50. women. Yeah. Um, and uh, the T-shirt reads, it's horrific, obviously, and it shows Robert Picton, somebody else, uh, you know, high-fiving each other with slabs of bacon. Um, and it says over 50 flavors of hookery smoked bacon. Um, of course, everybody knows the story of Robert Picton and uh, sex workers he would bring back to their pig idea. farm. And so these are these guys, and they're like the, kind of the shock guys. And, and before this story had surfaced, um, you know, I, I play on this basketball team, uh, and, and the guys on my basketball team were talking about this, and we were kind of debating this on on this this Danger Cats comedy troupe. And 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 my understanding, I've never been to one of their shows. My understanding is is they've been described to me as like you know like pure offensive comedy. Um, you know, they they make a lot of light of of indigenous people in Canada they make light obviously of Robert Picton and other things and 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 it's like it's certainly not my brand of comedy if you ask me it's not comedy at all um, but I know that some people are, are really starting to push back on Rick Bronson I've seen it I've seen it on Facebook sure. right now saying that hey listen Rick you know whether or not you agree with what these guys are doing or what they're saying I mean the danger cats themselves by the way pulled the t-shirt down off their website they're not selling anymore and they said all the money by the way the proceeds of the t-shirt was going to go to Ukraine which I thought was kind of fucked fuck? up. These guys are, I, I don't know. I don't know them. I don't know them personally. I've never interviewed them. I've never been to one of their shows. So I'm going to like kind of limit my commentary, but I do know that somebody that's selling fucking Robert Picton shirts, uh, like we're not wired the same way. Um, a dear friend of mine from junior high school, uh, we remember Jennifer all the time, uh, had ultimately fallen into sex work and, and was murdered and her murder has never been solved. And, and that's something that has impacted my commitment to talking about domestic violence and the sex trade and many things. 
uh, serial killers across Canada, missing and murdered women, a million things, yeah. uh, the opioid crisis, drug resources, trauma-informed uh, response to, to issues that we see in our society. And, and so, I, but I don't think you have to have lost somebody in your personal life to feel strongly about this. I just think like, number one, uh, this is a business and obviously this comedy troupe knows it's a business because they're monetizing their comedy. They're selling T-shirts. They're selling tickets to their shows. And Rick Bronson is an entrepreneur as well. Yeah. And the House of Comedy in in um, in New SBC uh, has to look out for its own brand as well. And sure. I don't know about you, but if I'm in Vancouver, I mean, Robert Picton took his victims from the streets of the downtown east side. That's where he yeah. took them from. They were killed in this part of Canada, they were killed on his pig farm, or or, or or many of them buried unceremoniously. Their body. I don't. I don't even need to get into it. But this all had. This is like where this happened. And so for me, um, I mean, why is Kyle asked me to touch on this and to comment on this? Uh, like my opinion on this is uh, number one. I mean, I was really hard. I'm not going to compare these two. Okay, but. I talked about this on the show a while ago. Um, I was set to interview Jordan Peterson when Jordan Peterson was coming to Edmonton and he was doing a book launch event at the Citadel Theater. Mm -hmm. And the Citadel Theater, when there was outcry about that booking, canceled Jordan Peterson's suite, like yeah. can canceled his theater. Yeah. Uh, they said that you can't appear here. And so Jordan Peterson, kind of in a hissy fit or maybe publicity, uh, canceled his entire Edmonton trip, canceled the interview, what have you. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I should respond. And I was tough on the Citadel. And to this day, I'm tough on the Citadel. I don't think it was the right move. Sure. I think that a theater space needs to be a space for freedom of thought. I'm not talking about hate speech. I don't think that, I mean, think of what you want of Jordan Peterson. I think at this point, he's kind of become a parent of himself um, I saw him in person at length at the Tucker Carlson show I'm not the biggest fan of Jordan Peterson but some of my friends are that's fine you do you but Jordan Peterson is not out there pushing hate speech okay if somebody was out there inciting or it doesn't have to be your flavor but if somebody was out there inciting a riot if somebody if somebody was out there um, celebrating or, or monetizing or making light of serial killers and missing and murdered indigenous women that's a completely different situation a comedy club does not have to apologize for telling those guys no. to pound sand and I, I get it the, the you know the comedy club's like the last bastion of free speech and I'll go back to Jordan Peterson I don't know some of his stuff about Elliot Page was bordering on a little bit of hate speech but I do agree that you know he is kind of monetizing his whole life which is just a shit show which you know he's probably just getting all the money he can right now but I will say that I agree with you this is really fucked up and even some I'm looking here some of the victims families even commented this one here my sister was murdered on the Picton farm and although I love comedy all in caps there is nothing funny about this show or any of these murders and I just pretty much agree with that 100%. yeah yeah Kenzie says so so Jespo nobody ever made jokes about Jack the Ripper uh, I don't know I mean have you heard a great routine about Jack the Ripper and also wasn't Jack the Ripper like 150 years ago yeah we're talking about I don't know this and, is and, recent. And, and, and here like you know just Justin, um, Justin's not wrong. Uh, he says, if you don't like the shirt, don't buy it. You don't need to cancel the show. Weak humans. I mean, number one, Businesses if you don't like the shirt, do don't buy want. it. That's fine. Uh, and you don't need to cancel. Well, they can cancel if they fucking want. Yeah. Like if you're saying, if you don't like the shirt, don't buy it. What are you also saying? You're saying that they should have a right to make and sell the shirts, right? So if they have a right to make and sell the shirts, what are you saying? You're saying that they have the right to operate a commercial enterprise based on their own conviction, right? That's what you're saying, Justin. So, so does the comedy club operator, the owner of the comedy club. 
He's not obligated to let people take his stage. I'm not obligated to have people sit in this studio. If I want to invite somebody to the show, I can. If I want to tell them to go fuck themselves, I can. That's what comes with commercial enterprise. Every single time I say fuck on the show, I think about the implications of it. Does it build audience or take audiences away? Does it impress sponsors? Does it turn sponsors off? We think about it because it's a commercial enterprise and I do what I think is right for the health of this venture. And that's what the Danger Cats are doing with their, in my mind, ill-advised and inappropriate and offensive t-shirts. I get that some people like those types of shirts. That's fine. You do you. But the comedy club owner is in no way obligated to give them an opportunity to take his stage and use his venue to do whatever they're going to do. These guys are not being canceled. They're having an event canceled. I was not canceled. I had people rally against me, try to burn our house down, try to get me fired successfully from radio. They tried to do it again on this show. We're not canceled if we keep going. The Danger Cats can keep going. They can find another venue. They can open their own venue. They can stream live on YouTube. They can do it out in a field. They can do it at their parents' house. They can do it at a public space. They can do whatever they want. You know, canceled is a thing and is not a thing at the same time. But if you support their right to make and sell those t-shirts, you inherently must support the right of the comedy club owner to tell them to get lost. And that's, for me, as simple as it is. If you think I'm out to lunch on this, this feels like a flamethrower. This feels like a submission that somebody might have strong words about and want to put it out to this audience. You know, every Friday or the last episode of every week, our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park give us a chance to put those hot takes out there to blow off a little steam. They're all real emails from real talkers to talk at ryanjesperson.com. You can let us know what you think about this. And of course, the flamethrower coming up on Friday, which will be an all Alberta budget Real Talk Roundtable, including the new CEO of the Edmonton Chamber of Commerce. That's Doug Griffiths, former uh, Municipal Affairs Minister, by the way, who's going to join us in studio as part of that roundtable. But coming up on tomorrow's show, this will be Thursday, February 29th. We're going to go live to London, England. And that's where we'll find journalist Sarah Loriniak. You remember Sarah? She was on the show about a year ago. She's been on the front line as an independent journalist, funding her own coverage, funding her own security funding her own storytelling from Ukraine. It's been two years since Russia invaded that sovereign nation. We'll take a look at what's changed and what hasn't as we continue to try to make sense of the world around us and gather in community to do so. Thanks for being here with us today. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive Producer, Josh Dunford. Technical Producer, John Hicks. General Manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account Coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human Resources, Lena Shepard. Website Design, Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com. 